Are you new to the indie publishing world? Do you want to know if self-publishing is right for you? You've come to the right place, where you'll find tips, tricks, and the answers to the questions you've always had about writing, marketing, and self-publishing. Welcome to the Hot Mess Writer's Life. Help for the indie author with me, Lynn Howard. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. We have Genevieve Scholl with us today. She is my very first interview ever, and I'm so freaking excited. Genevieve is an indie author, which is, you know, what I love. And she's also an editor, but she also has my favorite podcast, Let's Get Mystical. Say hello, Genevieve. Hi, everybody. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your books first? Uh, well, sure. Um, not going to talk about all of them since I have like 12, but <laughs> um, <laughs> the most recent one is called Two Fangs Don't Make a Fight. It is a paranormal hunter series. And it is kind of a different series in that there is going to be several sets of characters and each one follows different stories. Um, so the first one, the first set of characters is Charlotte and Dan and their story will continue later on. So what's happening is um, I'm doing the origin story of each set of characters and then we'll go around the circle again. I found that it's kind of a interesting way to not only keep things fresh for me, but also for the readers. And I can say that I have read it. I was one of the first people to read it and I am obsessed with it. We all know this, but I tend to get obsessed with your characters. You know that. Yes. So. And that's a huge I'm compliment. And so is the thing about saying favorite podcast. I very much appreciate that. Although you may be a little biased. <laughs> I, I, I might be a little biased because I may or may not be a part of that podcast as well. So Genevieve, you are also an editor. I am. And you just happen to be my editor. Yes. Again, I might be a little biased, but I just happen to think you're the best. Well, thank you. I think you are too. And yes, I'm a little biased too, but hey, what's the, what's life without being a little biased for the people you love? You know, what's funny is I remember reading books when I was younger and I always wanted to be a writer and they always talked about their best friend, the editor. And I'm like, oh, please, like someone that works for you is going to be your best friend. As often as you and I talk. <laughs> We're definitely best friends. <laughs> We're best, we became best friends. We started out just friends on Facebook and it just rolled from there. And literally you become best friends if you find the right editor. You don't have to stay with the same editor for every piece of work. But Jen knows my work better than anyone in the world. Yes. And I feel like the best relationship you can have with your editor is being friends. Now, you still yes. want to have a business relationship because your editor does need to get a little bitchy at times to make you make the revisions that will make your book better. But in the long run, if you're friends, life will just be easier. I almost feel like that's a segue into... Chinavi, how do you keep your authors on schedule? <laughs> yeah, well, oh, well, there's there's several ways, but yes, being a little bitchy is one of them. Um, so I, I tend to, of course, send reminders when due dates are coming up. However, I'm also flexible. Um, there are some editors out there who will say, well, you missed your due date, so you're going to have to reschedule. I'm not like that. If you miss your due date and you need a couple more weeks to work on it, just hit me up when it's ready and I will adjust my schedule for you. Another one. You've always had like that gap for me that the two to three week cruise, she might be somewhere in there. 
Because we do have lives outside of just writing. Yes. Well, and when you're in a, such a good relationship with the author you're working with, you tend to be able to fit them into your schedule whenever necessary. Um, because after you edit a few books with them, you have an idea of their style and what needs to change and what doesn't need to change. And it's a lot easier to edit something from an author that you've worked with for several years than it is to start new with an author. Was that a was that a jab at me? <laughs> because I feel like that was a jab with my damn it's and my uh, have been instead of yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I have I, habits. <laughs> you know, uh, and then it's especially the have been thing. A lot of authors do that, so it's not just you. Um, there have been things taught to writers that aren't necessarily good things. Um, and lots of times they get set in their ways, but that's what an editor is for, especially a developmental editor. Exactly. And there, of course, are different types of editors, but Genevieve is kind of my catch all. Um, I've trusted her with all my books so far and I did hit the bestsellers list last week. So I think Genevieve's doing a phenomenal job. And to kind of add to that, I'm kind of the catch-all editor for most of my clients. Um, I am not a developmental align editor. I am everything. And if a client wants to request a certain kind of edit, that's one thing. But usually it starts with developmental and goes all the way to proofreading. Now, putting on your author and your editor hat, do you agree that you should never put a book into public without an editor. Absolutely, 100%. I've, there's actually one of my favorite books. I don't even know how I sludged through it. It was obvious she didn't even have beta readers to catch some of the craziest like spelling errors and grammatical errors. You could tell later on in the series she did hire an editor, but that's one of the quickest ways I'm going to put down a book is if something so simple was overlooked. Obviously, not everything is going to get caught. You know, you read some of the big six books and there's still errors. We are human. But if you put a book out that has not been edited, which I did, Genevieve, with my very first book ever, was not edited at all. And I spelled waste like he grabbed her waist, like you would spell waste can, you know, things that's, like that. That's a common error were, I see all the time. So yeah, and it was not caught by anyone. It just, you have to have an editor. Yes. Now, something that I have been trying to guide my focus on this channel and I'm sure you hear this question all the time. How do you get all that stuff done? How do you get your writing done and your editing done? Have you developed a schedule to make sure that you get X, Y, and Z done while having a life of your own? For the most part, um, I don't, I can't really get anything done without having schedules and lists. So I'm a very organized person. Uh, but it's not to say that you can't make time for all that if you're not an organized person, the problem becomes is your motivation. You have to sit down, and you've said this multiple times in your podcast, but you have to sit down in a certain spot at a certain time to train yourself to work on things. And it's not to say that you can't work on things if your motivation is low or if you're having mental health issues. I'm a very big proponent for taking mental breaks but there's a fine line between taking a mental break and just giving up. And I've yes. towed that line several times. So I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you remember I took the weekend off and painted my bathroom. I needed that mental health break. But 
like you said, I have, and it doesn't have to be an office. Not everybody has an office. My kids are grown. I was able to take over rooms. But if you have a specific spot that you sit in, even if it's 10 minutes while your kids are taking a bath, you have to find ways to schedule. Tell us about your journal, your bullet journal, that thing. If you guys aren't following Jen on Instagram, you really need to because the pictures of her journals make me so motivated yet exhausted at the same time. <laughs> yes, it's a long process to uh, make out the spreads, but it's honestly beneficial for me, not only for scheduling, but it's a, my mental health break most of the times. It's It allows me to just be artistic rather than having to deal with words and kind of clears out my brain. So I have several. I have like five or six bullet journals. Actually, I think I'm up to seven now that I have one for outlining my books. Um, I have a personal one that is basically just notes and brain dumps. And I have professional ones. And then I also have one for story notes. So I said I have one for outlining, but I also have a separate one for story notes. The one for my outlining is specifically for um, brainstorming each story and it has um, proposed schedules, which I have gone done the <laughs> bad thing of choosing a release date before the book was finished. And I don't recommend that. Don't do that. Um, which is why my <laughs> proposed schedule is now in pencil rather than pen. But it does help me focus on what I need to get done in a certain amount of time to possibly hit that publication date. And it's great to set a schedule for yourself and a date for yourself. But like you said, put that in pencil because life does happen. Yes, it does. And you, you, you are fully aware of how much pressure I was putting on myself. What was that in September, October, November? And I crashed. I just, I was still writing, but I crashed. I had to put YouTube on the side. I had to put the podcast on the side because I am working a part-time job now too. And I do have pets and a house and, you know, a mother who actually, I don't know if I told you Genevieve, but my mother got in a car accident um, two weeks ago and she does have damage to her neck and spine, but she's starting physical therapy today. So I've had to go to her house several times. So like you said, mental health, sometimes you do need to step away, but if you want to finish the book, it's button chair, fingers on keyboard, right? Yes, yes. And, but it, I don't want people to think that we're saying you have to write a certain amount of words or for a certain amount of time every day. You don't even have right. to write every day necessarily. The problem becomes when you start taking weeks upon weeks upon weeks off. Now, on my last podcast, I talked about how, you know, even if you're sitting down and you're connecting with other authors on Facebook, you can consider that writing because that is part of the writing industry. You still have to make connections with like you and I, we became friends and we would discuss our woes of, you know, brain block or writer's block, whatever you want to call it. Every little thing you do that is writing related does not have to be strictly writing. If you're reading a book in that genre, that can be considered part of writing. It's research, right? Yes, I love that word. That's my favorite word when it comes to writing. Research, research, research. research. <laughs> my husband has come in the room and I've had my head on my arms on the desk and he's, what are you doing? I'm writing because I'm playing a scene out in my head. Yep. I'm writing, you know, um, you know, when I start going into a different 
I don't want to say different genre because we all know I love my paranormal romance. I love my monsters and my S-E-X. But sometimes I want to change it up. So I'll watch a different type of movie than I would, you know, uh, a military movie. Maybe I want my characters to be some form of military. I consider that writing. So if you have 10 minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, there's always ways to continue working towards that goal of writing. And you do not have to write a book a month. You know that, Jen. Yes, I do. I'm just going to pause a second because I don't want the cat's meows to be heard. Can you hear my dogs in the background? They keep moving. No, I can't. No, I think he's done. He sounded like he was playing with it. <laughs> I heard him talking. He's, he's, he plays with his foxy, which is on a string, and he carries it around the apartment. Aww. And more often than not, he'll come back here and put it on my mom's bed. So I was he was going to get kind of loud if he passed the door, but he sounds like he's staying in the living room. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, making sure you're writing, even if you're not writing. Oh, yeah. So things like, like you said, watching TV, reading books, even picking up a dictionary and reading a couple of words on their definition, that is all research for your book. And in my opinion, research is one of the most important things when you're writing a book, because if you don't do the research and you don't, you're not passionate enough to learn the things that you're including in your book, you tend to, and I don't, I'm not saying all writers do this, but you tend to, you're just writing words rather than writing a story. The storytelling aspect kind of gets lost. I have to tell you, did you see that? I shared it on Facebook where someone left a review on a book where it said, it seemed like the author was just making it up as they went along. Yeah, I saw that. And the, the like, thing uh, underneath said, newsflash, that's what we are yeah, doing. I don't, <laughs> don't want to be the one to break it to you, but this stuff is not, you know, a, a word by word, step by step re- recording of an event that happened. We are making it up as we go along. But yeah, like you said, if you're just writing words, you're forcing a story. If you're bored, the reader is going to be bored. Yes. If you guys can hear that sound in the background, that is mischief. That is Genevieve's muse. <laughs> I don't know if he can be heard on the recording or not, but he always I hear it. <laughs> he always chooses the wrong times to play with his toys. But you know what? It's life. This is how I mean every writer has a life. Just a little that's what, little look into the ambiance that I use when I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of my issues with a lot of podcasts and um, YouTubes is they try to make their lives look like they're so perfect and so calm and they write their candle or light, write their candle. They light their candle and they sit down and, and they write. That's not real life. You know, you know, I can't sit very often. I've told the readers before about my, my uh, migraine condition. I have to get up and move a lot. So I might write 50 words, get up. I might write a thousand words, get up. And I don't know if I've told you my new goal because I have so much that I need to do every single day, whether I'm working or not. Okay. I'll write a thousand words. I'll get up and wash the dishes. I'll write 500 words. I'll get up and vacuum. I set goals so that everything that I need to get done gets done without feeling like I'm burnt out. So I'm not sitting that whole time, but I'm not cleaning that whole time. Yeah. I know things need to get done, but I break them up. I Have you been, have you tried that before? Uh, yes, I do that too. I even do that during my work hours because yeah. not only are you putting way too much pressure on your body if you don't get up every now and then, but you're putting too much pressure on your mind. Not to say if your characters are on, this happened the other night, I made dinner and ran right back to the, the cave because 
they were so alive in my head. Even when I was talking to my husband while we were eating, I was still seeing the characters. Not to say if you're on a roll, get up and move, but if you're getting to the point where you're going to burn out, there are ways to break it up and there are ways to continue living life. And I love your bullet journals because you're scheduling things out that you know you need to get done. Yes. And I don't, I haven't shared my new weekly spread in my bullet journal, but now I have a list of to do's, but I also have the week calendar at the top and I put in any kind of appointments I might have or um, errands that have to be run. I'm very organized and I know a lot of people are not, but any small little bit of organization, even if it's just a simple to-do list is very helpful. Do you, I see the colors. What, how are they color coded? Is it work, life, errands? It's, how do you color code? Uh, so I have work, writing, podcast, YouTube, Patreon, household, personal, and other. So I have eight categories. Before we forget, your podcast is Let's Get Mystical, which I'm biased towards, of course. <laughs> what is the YouTube channel? My YouTube channel is just under my name, author Genevieve Scholl. And for the most part, it is writing vlogs, but I'm also doing some videos about other famous authors and using their routines. Sometimes I do book reviews. It's basically anything having to do with books. And then tell us about your Patreon. <clears throat> so the Patreon at this moment is simply for the podcast. Um, it used to be in a couple of videos in my YouTube, I mentioned that you could get benefits for the YouTube as well. Um, but I had to take a slight backseat with the YouTube. I'm only going to be doing once a month now. So I changed my Patreon to the podcast only. Um, and there's three tiers. And you can get anything from early access to all the podcast episodes to a special monthly video episode. So Jen, one of the questions I get asked most often is, where do you come up with your story ideas? Oh boy. <laughs> do you have, yeah, I know. And I, I, I really do hate that question because I don't have an answer. Do you have an answer I do. Um, I do. There's several places I come up with my story ideas. Some of it's completely out of thin air. Some of it is dreams. Some of it is other TV shows, which is where Two Fangs Don't Make a Fight came from because it was my, basically my love letter to the show Supernatural. Um, uh, there's one book of mine, Novel Desire, that came from my high school life. Uh, it, it, basically, anywhere I can find inspiration, I use it. And even if I'm not using it at this time, I have, of course, a journal that I put the ideas in. So that's a separate binder than you use with the yes, other ones. Yes, um, it probably will eventually be a bullet journal, but I've been doing using that one for basically since the beginning of my writing career. So I have to finish that one first. <laughs> I've started using a bullet journal. Why don't you tell them why I've started using a bullet journal? Because I bought you one and bitched until you did. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a good editor is going to push you. And I've used it and it actually has come in so handy. So yes, I would recommend using it or a notebook or whatever, but I like the bullet journal a lot. Mine is not pretty like Jen's, but 
it is functioning for what I need it for. My biggest advice when it comes to things like that is at the very least have a planner. Even if you're not someone to outline your stories, have a planner so that you can write down what you want to accomplish in a day. Even if that's just, okay, I want to write a hundred words, write it down because if you write it down, it will be an official task and you'll finish it. Is that that manifesting? Manifest. (laughs) Everybody keeps talking about manifest. I've learned a new phrase too. I do not receive that. When someone comes at you with negative energy, I do not receive that. Oh, that's interesting. It's actually... Yeah, it's coming. I saw a little video. My mom actually sent it to me. So when did you know that you wanted to be a writer? These are the questions that I get asked a lot. So I'm going to start asking other authors. <laughs> not a problem. Not a problem. Um, it's kind of a hard answer for me because I've always really written stories. Even when I was really little, my mom has still has some stories that I wrote about woodland animals. But I've shifted careers several times. Um at one point I wanted to be an actress. At one point I wanted to be a waitress. Then there was wanting to be a cop, a paralegal. It's, it shifted a lot, but I think in the long run, my heart belongs to writing, even when I have slumps like I did for three years. Um, so I think the most honest answer to that would be when I wrote my first self-published book, Love Claws which was in 2010, I believe. <laughs> that's that's around the time we became friends yes. with Love Claws. Yep. Yeah. Yes, I had was. two that's other fact, books. I think it's on my shelf. I had two other books published traditionally that we won't talk about because as <laughs> people know, it was a fraud company. Um, and that really soured my experience when it came to writing. So I definitely don't include those in my love of writing career uh definitely started with love clause did you get your rights back i did not they have they have custody of those books basically forever man now would you ever traditionally publish again or do you prefer the indie i prefer self-publishing um for most of the reasons that you do self-control and everything Mm -hmm. um sorry we have a little guest here um come on miss (laughs) jeff but i I don't know, honestly, to the answer to that would be, I don't know, because it would, there would have to be a certain set of circumstances for me to traditionally publish. Um, but over the last few years, especially, I've heard a lot of horror stories, so probably not. Yeah, I tried it and I, I don't like handing over control. I really don't. I, I know, you know, the story of one of my first books that I don't talk about on here. Um, they wanted me to take out contractions in an urban fantasy. And that's just weird to me. Nobody talks like that. No. You know, we I, use contractions. I have had several books I've had to edit where they didn't use a single contraction. And I'm like, okay, how do I put it nicely that I cannot read this book? If it's a period piece, I can, like the book I'm working on now, it's it's a little different. So there are times when they speak extremely properly, but there are also times when they do use contractions. I mean, it's, it's and it, human beings. It, you have to decide whether you're going to use one based on the context of the sentence. Yeah, you you have to kind of figure out based on what is being said, whether a contraction is correct or not. Because even in like Victorian times, I'm sure there was a contraction somewhere. 
you know, and, and, and it has to be readable for the reader as well. And there right. are some times where if you don't use a contraction, the sentence is not readable, whether it is correct or not. It reads awkwardly. Yes. I can't wait for you to read this new one. For the first time, Genevieve has only seen a tiny sample at the very beginning of this new book. Usually I'm sending her snippets here and there, but this is going to be a surprise to everyone. And she's very, very impatient. <laughs> but okay. on that same vein, since uh, you're writing a sort of fantasy book, I have started writing one as well. Copycat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, between the podcast and all the stuff I've been watching lately and everything, my brain is just soaked with supernatural fantasy type stuff. So as much as I love the contemporary romance I'm working on, the YA contemporary romance, I got to get used to saying YA now. Um, I just have to write both at the same time because I have to get it out of my head. <laughs> I, you know, I used to be able to do that. I used to be able to switch back and forth. If, if one character, you know, they're ignoring me, fine, I'll go work over here. Past few years, I haven't been able to do that. And for those listening, I am going back to the Shifter Council executioners when this book is done. So from now on, I'm going to bounce back and forth. So I'll be releasing several different each year. You know, that first, what was it 2018? I released, was it nine books in one year, eight books in one year? I can't remember. That was how many years ago? <laughs> too many life is flying by but i mean that that wears you down if you're if you're able to do that great but never wear yourself out and burn yourself out of something you love to do like yes. jen said this is our love words our art is our love our are our, our love are our love that's a hard sentence to say that's why you have to say our 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 yeah but see i'm midwest I know you're up there in the fancy states. <laughs> Give me a second. I got to open the window. So up until recently, you've written all for adults. What made you want to move over to the YA genre? Well, um, I do have one short novella that was actually sort of, it was more like new adult. Um, it's called Switch, Switched at the Broomstick. It's a Halloween witchy story. Um, but yes, for the most part, I have written for adults. However, I've been having a lot of hard time writing for adults. So um, on my YouTube, I did a writing experiment where I wrote in as many genres as I could, not sci-fi, um, and just kind of to get an idea of what I enjoyed more. And as much as I enjoyed the adult ones I did work on, not only did the young adults were they more fun, but I got more words in. Um, I could understand where the story was going because most people don't realize that I don't really outline that much. Um, I'm kind of a discovery writer. So pantser. Yeah. So um, I just, in the long run at the end of the experiment, I realized that YA was where I was supposed to be. Do you read YA as well? I do um, more so now, but I have read YA for a while. Um, I'm currently working on finishing Sarah Sutton's series, which are 100% inspirational for me. So they're a very big help when I'm writing the contemporary romance that I'm working on now. The last YA book I read, actually the last one was by Rachel Vincent. Um, they were ele elemental books. But before that, 
was Twilight. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I'm a Twi-herd. I don't care what anybody says. The fantasy I that them. I have stuck in my head will be YA, but right now the thing that I'm working on the most is a contemporary romance. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and just to give a little bit of a sneak peek, I am calling it Project Jekyll Hyde. Oh. Yes. Is that the one I was reading? It is. <gasps> oh, y'all, just wait. <laughs> There's been she kept sending sending me pieces and I'm like, no more. I need more. <laughs> There's been a little bit of a twist that surprised me. So it's it's veered off of what I planned on doing, but it for the most part is still the same of what you read. Let's segue off from what you just said. Okay. Because I texted you that my characters just surprised me. Are we insane? Are authors insane? Because we are creating these people from our imaginations. How are they surprising us? Have you ever wondered about that? Yes and no. Um, I feel like as much as we are writing them, they do become real as we discover who they are. Um, because in my opinion, no matter how much of an outliner you are, you are still discovering things as you write. Even if it's small little tidbits. Um, so I think what happens is we still are the ones writing the characters, but the characters are becoming more alive to us as we progress. And when something starts becoming alive, it starts getting free will. That makes a lot of sense. It just, I asked my husband, cause you know, he's an artist. He pens stripes and paints and does graphics. I'm like, are you ever painting and think, Hmm, I didn't see that coming. You know, is that just for writers? I think probably artists are that way too. Um, I think all creators, no matter what they are making, musicians and everything as well, kind of go into a, like a little bit of a trance in a way that uh, once you're doing what you're passionate about, you do it without thinking. Yeah. I just, I, I was writing and I kind of knew something was coming up, but when it happened, whoa, what? And that's when I got so engulfed that I kind of jumped when my husband walked in the room. I should have heard him come through the door, through the the back door. And I jumped when he walked in the room because I was so engrossed. Wait, what? What's going on? You know, just typing away, reading it as I'm typing it, like discovering it. I think that might be where the whole um, muse mythology came from, because people just don't know where these things come from as they're creating. So they chalk it up to their muse being present. That makes sense. I don't I don't think my muse is a pretty little fairy. I think my muse is a cigar smoking badass. I think your muse <laughs> is a demon, quite frankly. <laughs> it would make sense with some of the stuff I've written. <laughs> I don't know what my muse is or who my muse is. I'm really not sure if I have a muse anymore. I did before my three-year slump, I did feel like I had a muse. But ever since then, it's been pulling teeth to finish a book. But I feel like this YA contemporary romance will be a little bit simpler. And I think that's where my problem was coming in with writing for adults is that you have to involve so many things like YA is not necessarily easy because teenagers do deal with a lot of stuff, but there's stuff that you have to include in an adult story that does not need to be included in a YA story. So you can kind of just work off of feelings rather than information. Sex. Is that what you're saying? Is well, sex? there's there's that. But like, you know, you don't necessarily have to include what somebody does as a job in an adult book. But you have to 
considerate um, because no matter what the person is doing in the book, they have a job. It's going to affect yeah. their life. Rather that yeah. is because the, they're doing something on the side and it, they lose their job or what, but you still have to know what they do. I don't know about you, but sometimes coming up with these characters' jobs is harder than coming up with their names and descriptions. Yeah, I, I feel that way sometimes too. And also in adult books versus YA, you have to... Oh, how do I want to put this? Um, YA characters can be more open-minded and free-willing, basically, than adult ones can be because there are societal standards and things for adults that no matter how much you try to keep them out of your book, they happen. Yeah. Whereas teenagers are just learning that stuff and and finding themselves. And so you can be a little bit more open with what happens to them. Right, right. Also, I think another reason why young adult is easier for me, at least, is because it is taking me out of my reality as a 34-year-old person and taking me back. Not that high school was good by any means for me, but it's taking me back to that pre-responsibility. The easier times. I hated my teen years. So did I. I would never. But you know what? I hate my adult years too, so. I'm telling you, I hit 30 and that's when I finally started having fun. And now I'm in my 40s and kids are grown and I can do my own thing. I went back to work because the kids were out of the house and I get to have a pretty house again. I'm so excited. Did you know that I started reading adult books, specifically Stephen King in fifth grade? I can believe it. A lot of people I've talked to that uh, like Stephen King say that they started when they were young. Yeah, it was I... You know, I read the books that we did in school, like everybody else did, the Hook Finn and all the Mark Twain books and stuff. But on my own, I was I was reading different books. And then I discovered Anne Rice in seventh grade. And my claim to fame is I have a very short interaction on email with Anne Rice. Bless her soul. I am so sad. <laughs> I'm so sad that she's gone. That about broke my heart. Believe it or not, I did not start getting into paranormal stuff until... I mean, some people consider my Christmas series um, to be paranormal because it is Santa, but things like werewolves and vampires and stuff, that stuff didn't happen until at least 2014. Wow. I was not, I didn't watch Supernatural stuff. I didn't read it. None of that stuff. It was all comedies and things like that for me before then. Romances. I'm trying the last I'm trying to think of the last contemporary book that I read. Well, I guess if you count like the military romance books that I've read, we can count that. But like a women's lit or any of that kind of stuff. um, I can't remember. I like action and I like monsters and, you know, I love all that. stuff. Well, when I was a teenager, it was Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys because at that point I wanted to be a cop. So that was all I really was interested in was mysteries. I cannot picture you being a cop. I'm sorry. You're too dangerous. <laughs> I wanted to be a cop oh, when I was 17. I have my moments, but that's okay. I get my jollies off now by bitching to my clients. <laughs> I get my jollies off by killing people in my books. It <laughs> pissed me off. Oh, that's a good one, too. That's when people are like, oh, can I be a character in your book? Sure. I need somebody to torture. 
Or is that character based off of me? Or is that, is your romance scenes based off your real life? Oh yeah, I sleep with werewolves and vampires all the time. <sighs> Give me a break. No, I, none of this is based off. I do inject pieces of myself or pieces of other people into characters. Of course you. I, well, I get so sad when people read Grey's Wolf and they don't like Nova. Because there's so much of me in Nova. I'm like, you don't like me. <laughs> every every story any author writes will have something of themselves in it, whether they know it or not. Right. Well, another thing, people want to know all the time, why do we always write about these big, hulking, good-looking guys? Well, you're not in the big, hulking, good-looking guys, but do you write your type in your books as far as the heroes? Yes and no. Um, for the most part, especially lately, all of my characters are basically based off of Dean from Supernatural. But <laughs> um, I, let's see, Novel Desire, yes, because that was based off of somebody I went to high school with. Um, the Shift, yes, because he was an older man. Until Death Do I Part. Switch to the broomstick and troubled souls. No, troubled. Can we talk? Ab can we talk about until death do I part, please? <laughs> yes, in a minute. Uh, <laughs> just want to mention troubled souls is the one that I based off of my dream about the Titanic, and the hero in that is a uh, professor who has a uh, hard of hearing. He came straight from the dream. He was not, oh, wow. he was not something I created after the fact he was in the dream. And while he's handsome and everything, he was not something, not somebody that I was necessarily attracted to. It's just that that's who was in the dream. So that's who I wrote. Um, until death do I part. <sighs> <laughs> you know, that's my heart right there. He was, he kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't really planned. Um, I did know he was going to be a cop, but beyond that, I had no idea who he was until I was writing. You guys have to read that one. If you start anywhere, start with that one. That is like one of my favorite books. Now, which one of your books was the hardest to write? That's a good question. Um, probably The Shift, only because there is so much science stuff in it. Um, I had to, again, do research, but I also had to decide exactly how much I wanted to put in, um, because for anybody that has not read it, she is a test tube baby um, who has paranormal genes. So it took a lot of <laughs> carefully tuning to figure out exactly what to include. Do you remember the text I sent you? Which About that Which book? one? We sent like 100 texts a day. About... That book. <laughs> I don't know. I believe it said, you sadistic bitch. Oh, yes, because of who I killed off, yeah. Yes. Oh, I was so mad. I actually got a little, like, emotional reading that scene. Well, good. That's what I was going for. I know. Which one was your easiest to write? Probably Troubled Souls, only because it was based off of the dream. And then I did the research of the passenger that was actually on the Titanic. So it was basically just putting all of what I experienced in words. Which one has been your favorite to write? Mm, that one's hard. That's like, 
asking me to choose a favorite kid. I know. And people always ask me that. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It, this might be a surprising <laughs> answer for anybody who has read it, but I think it would probably be hired for Christmas. Really? Yes, because <laughs> it's a, a, it's not necessarily villain, but it is a, a redemption arc. And I love redemption arcs. And even though it is my least popular book, I will always love that book. Is that the one you wish more people would read? Yes. Everybody yeah. thinks that Holly does not deserve the redemption arc, but I think she did. And I'm glad I wrote it. I love a good redemption arc. Anybody that watches Walking Dead, Negan, you know. And, you know, and a lot of times we think about these villains, but in their head, they're not villains. She wasn't. In their head. Uh, Holly wasn't really a villain either. I mean, in the long run, she was just somebody who couldn't handle what she was told, what she learned. Right. And that's fine. Right. I mean, not everybody can deal with things like that. Lord knows nowadays nobody can deal with anything. Which it's not really a Goodness. spoiler to mention this. So I will mention that what happened was in Love Claus, Holly was Trent's girlfriend until she found out he was Santa Claus. And then she kind of freaked out and left. So she wasn't really a villain. I don't know. I think if I found out I was dating Santa Claus... <laughs> My list would get a whole lot bigger. Well, uh, let me rephrase that. He's technically the son of Santa Claus, but he was taking over for his father. So, And I'm going to stick to my statement. <laughs> interestingly my enough, Christmas and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on anything, but interestingly enough, the reason that Love Claus happened was because I was obsessed with the story of Santa Claus and if it was true or not. So I wrote it. Really? <laughs> It's a spoiler alert. It's not true. <laughs> Santa's not real. Agree to disagree. Any kids listening, I'm sorry. Well, if there's any kids listening, I'm sorry. It's the parents buying it. <sighs> I get so tired of the Santa Claus debate though at Christmas time when people are like, "Don't put that on there because then these kids." And I'm like, "Let kids just be kids. Yeah. You know, just let them have the magic." I never really discuss Santa with my kids. They just believed in it. And one day as each kid figured it out on their own, I would let them see the hidden stash of wrapped gifts and then they would help be the elf. Oh, that's cool. And, well, and they were pretty close in age. So, you know, I adopted them when they were four five and six. So it was almost like one year, one year, one year, each year. I think Misty was the last one to figure it out, but because they always spoiled it for me and got up way too early and I never got to see their faces. Once they discovered it, Nothing went under that tree until I got up in the morning. If they got up before me, they had to go back to their rooms. It's like, I wanted to see their faces. Oh, yeah. They always had, I, I had, I had one of those kids that got up with the sun. I love Christmas. Even now I love Christmas. Even, I know. I mean, I, miss <clears throat> I can't always afford to give gifts, but I love giving gifts. I don't even care if I get them. I just love giving them. Yes. I, I feel awkward when I receive gifts, but I love to give gifts. And I love to give Now that we're gifts. on the topic of Christmas, I will mention I still haven't sent yours. Girl, I don't need anything. Well, too bad. I, I, already, I already bought it, so it has to get sent eventually. Oh, my goodness. I got my bullet journal. That counts for something because that, that thing has come as a lifesaver. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. So when you are picking your male characters... And you see them in your head. Do you need a visual of it or do they just stay in your head? Um, for the most part, no. I just picture them in my head. 
Um, like I said, Novel Desire was based off of somebody that I went to high school with, so that one was easy. Um, there's a very noisy bird outside my window. Um, I and is that I mean is that for both male and female? You don't you don't need a visual representation. Yes. Like I always need to see, even if it's just some unknown that I find on Google after searching. But you don't need a visual. No, not usually. Uh, <laughs> I, I I have to get a little bit more diverse with my female characters because I have a tendency when I write to just automatically say red hair, brown eyes, <laughs> because that's just what I, you know. That's me. Um, so I have to get a little bit more diverse in that. Trying to think, I th- I honestly think switched it the broomstick was the most difficult. Um, because I wanted them to be vastly different from each other since they were switched at birth. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that one probably would be the only one that I was, I tended to lose the vision of what they looked like and had to go back and add it in. When you were writing, do you hear their voices and see their walks and all that stuff too? Not always. Uh, I'm in the minority with that. Um, more often than not, my characters don't talk to me. Um it's different for the shift. Uh, pretty much everybody on the team in the shift talks to me and still do. Um, <laughs> but no, I, for the most part, I, one of the stories I didn't never publish that I was working on. Yes. That one was very loud. And the only reason I never published it, well, there were several reasons. First, it was during my three year slump. So I just, I couldn't work on it. And then it was based off of uh, something that happened to me when I was younger and I was having a hard time putting it into words. And then now that I'm switching to YA that this basically obliterated that story because it was completely adult. Um, so, but that one, yeah, the characters in that one were pretty loud. It was, uh, the brother of the hero, hero, the brother of the hero kept wanting me to write his story first. (laughs) Isn't that weird? You know what story you're going to write and the characters are like, wrong order. Wrong yeah, order. it's annoying sometimes. That's that short story I've been working on that we won't talk about because it's only for my newsletter subscribers. They get the freebies, the short stories. It's kind of happening with the um, Paranormal Hunter series. Uh, the Shadow Coalition mm-hmm. series is what I should actually call it since that's what it's named. Um, because... I have a plan of who I'm writing next, but one of the other sets of characters is kind of like, why do they get to be next? Why can't I be next? <laughs> it's so it's, and again, it's so weird because we're creating them, but they become so real. I literally hear their voices. I can see the way they walk. I can see their, you know, weird nuances when they're agitated. I know their favorite color, even if it's never mentioned. Yeah. I don't go that far usually. Um, but I think what's happening with the new series is that all the sets of characters are so vastly different that I just want to write them all at once. And I know I can't physically do that. So I just have to wait. <laughs> I have to be patient. <laughs> so have you picked a release date for the the one you're working on now or a release, not so much a date, but an aimed, um, something you're aiming for? Not really. Probably next year only because I'm trying to shoot for the YA contemporary romance to come out this year. Um, So I have to wait and actually finish the other book. Um, I have, I think about 15,000 words in that one. Um, So it's, it's started, but yeah, definitely not going to be this year. 
Do you know what time period for the the YA, what people can look forward to? Um, Well, originally I was trying to get the first draft done by April, but that's not going to happen anymore. So I'm hoping by May. Um, And then it's going to have to go through revisions and edits and all that good stuff. So at the very earliest, I'd say December, uh, it might be January, but I'm going to try to shoot for December. And do you plan on putting any of these on pre-order or are we done with that? Um, Maybe. I'm trying not to do pre-order until it's 100% complete. It's done with revisions and everything. If it's in like proofreading or something, then that's fine. But I don't want to put it on pre-order and then have something happen where I can't get it uploaded again. I listen to several podcasts and they usually recommend trying to stick around a month. No, no, no longer than a month pre-order so you can get that excitement going. Because I've seen some that were pre-ordered for six months, but I've done forgotten about it. Yeah, I don't, um, <laughs> pre-orders don't really, are not very beneficial for me. More often than not, people don't pre-order my stuff. Um, so I don't know. It's it's going to probably depend on where we are and, you know, if I, if I can generate enough buzz for it. I do find that uh, more people are interested in the YA than the adults, so maybe. I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait for you to finish it. From what I read, I can't wait for you to finish it. Well, I deleted a scene, unfortunately. Actually, it was a scene and a half. Um, So that took away about 1,700 words. But I did write about 1,000 words yesterday. So we're back out there pretty much. You made up for it. Yeah, you made up for it. However, I did go back this morning and delete half of what I wrote yesterday. So it's, you know, it's an up and down climb, but we're getting there. And again, authors, as we've said, fledgling authors, baby authors, it doesn't always come smoothly and it doesn't have to get done right away. If it takes you five years to write a book, so be it. But follow that passion. Yeah. Genevieve, thank you so much for being my first ever guest on A Hot Mess Writer's Life. Oh, happy to be here. Will you come back? Well, duh. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime you need somebody to chat about something, just hit me up. Problem is, they don't realize that half the time we end up talking for hours. Yeah, I know. Well, we're edging towards an hour already, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. It was awesome talking with Genevieve Scholl. It was awesome being with you guys. I missed you guys so much. I'll see you next time. Bye.